Thank you for joining us on the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory Church, we're all about helping people win. And today's message is going to help you do just that. So, let's get started. We're in a series of messages uh, that we started for the new year that we have entitled Clearer Vision. Uh, In the opener, we gave you three keys to having and maintaining clearer vision in 2020 and beyond. What were they? See? Say? So. They're on the screen. You're cheating. All right. See, say, and so. First, you've got to see it. You've got to see what God's will is, what God's plan is. We call that revelation. We need a revelation in our life of what God's will is, what God's plan is, and we recommended to you the read your Bible method of discovering the will of God for your life. All right, you want to know what God's will is? Read the book, and in the book, he will tell you what his will is for your life, but you've got to see it first, and then you say it. You begin to declare over your life what God has said about you, what God has declared over your your marriage, what God has declared over your finances, what God has declared over your your, your health. You need to begin to declare that, and we call that prophecy. Every one of us should be prophesying. God's called you to prophesy. What is prophecy? It's simply declaring what God has said. It's declaring the word and the will of God. And so you're called to prophesy. It's not just certain people. All of us need to be prophesying the will of God. And then thirdly, we need to sow into that will. We call that obedience, right? We begin to do what the Word of God tells us to do. James said, don't just be hearers of the Word. Be doers of the Word, for you will be blessed in what you do. It's not just what you hear. It's not just what you say. You're blessed in what you do. Do And so you put them all together to help you have clearer vision for 2020. And then what we're doing is we're just, we gave you, we gave you seven key characteristics of the, the will of God that we need to discover in our life. We gave you those seven key areas that if you'll discover God's will and plan and purpose in these seven areas, it will help unlock God's will in other areas of your life as well. We call them the seven characteristics. Identity, who are you in Christ? Priorities, relationships, finances, health, the church, and our mission in the world. And what we're doing is we're just taking each one of these, we're just kind of breaking them down week by week to get a greater revelation of what God says about those particular areas of our life so that we can begin to declare that revelation over our life so that we can begin to sow into that area in our life so that we can see the transforming power of the Word of God change our lives. Okay? Here, let, let me just give you something for free today. I'll just, I'll just throw this out there. God wants your life to change. God wants you to grow. God wants your life to begin to reflect the likeness and the image of Christ. We need to be becoming more Christ-like in our life. And one of the saddest things in all of the world is a person who's been a Christian for 30, 40, 50 years, but their life has never changed. They're still as mean, ungrateful, no faith, 
depressed, discouraged, despondent. They never grew. They're going to heaven, but they never became more like Jesus. And he wants you to become more like Jesus. And so we need a clear vision. We need to see what God's revelation is, who he wants us to become. We need to begin to declare that over our lives. And we need to begin to walk in it so that we can become more like Jesus. Is everybody okay today? So uh, in the past two weeks, we've zeroed in on our identity in Christ. First, we have to see it. We have to see who God says that we are, right? And so again, that's the revelation of God. It comes through the word of God. Next, we began to declare our true identity. We must say it. There is power in your words, right? And we're like God in this. It may not look like it yet, but we're like God. We call things that are not as though they were. That's how God did it. Before God created the worlds, it was in chaos. And God said, let there be light. And it was. Before it was, God said, we need to be like God. It may not look like it right now. Your life may be in chaos right now. But as you begin to declare and prophesy the word of God, your word becomes a creative force that it calls things that are not as though they were in your life. Your marriage may not be what you want it to be. It may not look like that at all right now. But you begin to declare the promises of God over your marriage. Watch the word of God become the power of God that transforms your marriage. Your children may not be what you want them to be. Begin to declare what God says they are. Who God's called them to be. Watch the transforming power of the word of God change their life. Today, I want to stay on this theme of identity And so I want to talk to you for the next couple moments about how your identity changes everything. Your identity changes everything. Here's our key point. If you're taking notes today, you're going to want to write this down because this is powerful. Ready? Unless you see yourself as God sees you, nothing else in your life can be right. Unless you see yourself as God sees you, nothing else in your life can be right. Let me illustrate this truth to you by walking you through the next six characteristics of our revelation of who God's called us to be. What are they? Priorities, relationships, finances, health, the church, and our mission. Let's begin with priorities, right? Until you know who you are in Christ or until you see yourself as God sees you, nothing in your priorities will ever be right. Let me prove this to you. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In this scripture, it reveals my true identity. My true identity is this. I am crucified with Christ. 
That's my true identity. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when you and I came to have and express faith in Christ, we received a new identity. I became a new creation. You became a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Part of that new identity is that I died to myself so that I could live for him. I died to myself so that I could live for him. Gary Hart no longer lives for me. My life is about him because my true identity says I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But until I see myself as he sees me, my priorities will never be right. See, this life isn't about you. This life is about him. See, and the problem with most people in the church is that their life centers around them and then they've got different aspects of their life. God just happened to be one of them. So I got my family life, I got my business life, I got my recreation life, I got this part of my life, I got, but, and then I've got God over here. But until God becomes the center of your life, because he really is your life, your family then is influenced by your relationship with God. Your workplace is influenced by your relationship with God. Your recreation is influenced by your relationship with God. Everything reflects your relationship with God because you no longer live, but it's Christ who is to live in you. But you see, until you see yourself like he sees you, nothing in your priorities will ever be right. There are a multitude of other scriptures that give reference to the same point. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. He died for all so that all who live would not live for themselves, but would live for him who died for them and was raised again. He died for us so that we would not live for ourselves, but that we would live for him who died for us and was raised again. Are you seeing this? Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Buried with him in baptism, raised again unto newness of life to live to the glory of our heavenly Father. I was buried with him. I died with him, but I was raised with him, not to live my own life, but to live his life, to his glory. In other words, my life ought to be lived in such a way that it brings glory and honor unto him. Amen. This is who we are. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You are not your own. You don't even own you. See, here, here's, here's a truth, right? He's Lord, you aren't. He's Lord, you're his servant. See, sometimes we get that backwards. We think God is here to serve us, and we get to tell God what we want him to do for us. 
No, he's Lord. I'm his servant. What do you want, Lord? What can I do for you, Lord? You see, unless I get the right identity, my priorities will never be right. So you see, I never have to ask myself, hmm, I wonder if I should pray today. I wonder if I should. Well, that's a no-brainer. I mean, what would Jesus do? Right? Would Jesus pray? Yeah, Jesus prayed. Sometimes he prayed through the night. Sometimes he prayed all night long. Sometimes Jesus got up early in the morning before the sun ever came up and went out in a private place to pray. Jesus was always praying. So if I'm living his life, what would he do? Well, I should do that too. By the way, we're in the process of trying to think of maybe a new creative name for our coffee shop out here. We've had the same name for a lot of years, so we thought about renaming it. And, and Carol Merrill, uh, one of the gals that works out there, she came up with kind of a creative idea. She thought we should name it WWJB. What would Jesus brew? I don't know. Maybe it'd just be a tagline or something, something like that, But right? And so the simple fact is we don't have to ask some of those questions. Like, I have to consider... I don't have to consider, should I read my Bible? Well, that that shouldn't even be a question. Jesus knew the word of God so well that in the moment of temptation, he didn't have to go to the book to try and find a scripture. It was in him. And he simply said, not today, devil, because it is written. And you need to come to a place in your life that when you're facing a temptation, you're facing a trial, you're facing a difficulty, you don't have to go to the Word of God because it's already in you, and the Spirit of God will quicken that Word, and you can say, not today, devil, for it is written. And that's the way we need to approach life. We don't have to ask ourselves. I don't have to ask, what am I going to do this weekend? As though I've got a choice. You know, the Bible says Jesus had a habit on the Sabbath day of going into the synagogue. I don't have to ask myself, what am I doing this weekend? I'd be going to church because that's what I do. That's who I am. That's what my identity leads me to believe because it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about what he wants, and he wants me in the house. I don't have to ask, should I talk to my friend about God? I don't have to ask that question. Well, certainly I should talk to my friend about God. Jesus would have, right? You ever get one of those, those, those senses in your spirit? Yeah, man, I should say something to them. You know, I should say something. You ever had that, that thought? Do you ever wonder where that thought came from? It was probably Jesus. It was probably the Holy Spirit prompting you. And then you had this, the devil's trying to make me do that. Really? You think the devil's over there going, hey, you need to talk to them about Jesus. No. No, it's God. 
because it's a natural part of our life. So you see, until I see myself as God sees me, nothing in my priorities will be right. I am crucified with Christ. How about our relationships? Ready? First John chapter number four, verses 10 and 11. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So from this scripture, I find my true identity. I am loved by God. Gary Hart is loved by God. I got some good news for you. You are loved by God. There are people who struggle with whether or not God loves them. Pastor, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You, don't, you, you just don't know. How could God love me? It says right there. How did God love you? He sacrificed his one and only son to demonstrate his love for you. Never, ever, ever doubt the love of God for you. Romans chapter uh, 8 and verse number, or 5 verse 8 says, but God demonstrates, God demonstrates, he's still demonstrating it. His own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you were at our, your worst, God still gave you his best. You didn't deserve it, but God still gave it. I am loved by God. So turn to the person next to you and say with great conviction, I am loved by God. You know what's really amazing? This happened in the first service. There are people with an incredible gift. They can speak to the person next to them without even moving their head. It's like they're just throwing their voice over there. So come on, turn to the person next to you and tell them with great confidence, I am loved by God. So how did God love us? He sacrificed to demonstrate his love for us. So since I am loved by God that way, we ought also to love others that way. But until I see myself as God sees me, nothing in my relationships will be right. I can't love others unless I really have received the love of God the way he loved me. And it's not because people deserve it. You love not because they deserve it, but because you choose to love them. This will change your marriage. There's a scripture in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers, love covers over a multitude of sins. Love covers I'm so grateful for that scripture. It gives me such hope. Because you know, in my marriage, I'm not a perfect husband. 
I know, some of you feel like Billy. You just don't understand that. How, I mean, I seem so perfect, right? But I, I blow it, and, and probably daily. But because my wife loves me, she covers me, even when I fall short. Now, that's no excuse for me to continue to act like an idiot. I want to change. I want to be a better husband. I'm trying my best to become everything God intended me to be for her. But in the meantime, while I'm growing, she covers me. Not because I deserve it, but because she chooses to love me that way. Can, can I take it one more level? Is that all right? I'm your pastor, and I love you. Do you want to know something? You don't always get it right. Some of you mess up big time. But you want to know something? Love covers. Doesn't matter what you've done. I'm still going to love you. I'm going to cover you. And I'm going to do everything I can to help you get better. Not because you deserve it, but because I'm choosing to love you like Christ loved me. And I desperately needed his grace. I desperately needed his mercy. So how can I love you any differently? See, it's possible that maybe you walked in today and you sat over here because you saw someone sit over here that you didn't want to. Hello? Love covers. See, but until we see ourselves as God sees us, nothing in our relationships can be right. Your identity changes everything. Can we go on? I'll go through these next ones quick, more, more quickly. Until you see yourself as God sees you, your finances will never be right. Right? You got to see yourself like God sees you. And according to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 20, God says we are stewards of what he has entrusted to us. My true identity in Christ, I am a steward of the resources that God has entrusted to me. You want to know the truth? Y'all don't own nothing. No one owns anything. We already told you today, you don't even own yourself. God owns it all. And everything that he has entrusted to you, he has entrusted it to you with only one thought in mind, that you would steward it for his kingdom. And somehow we've gotten the mentality that even if I tithe, I put God first, the rest of it's mine to do with it whatever I want to do. Wrong. It's all his. And so we need to understand 
What does God, how does God want me to manage the resource that he has entrusted to me? I don't get to just spend it however I want. What do you want me to do with this? There are some of you probably here today, you're in debt up to your eyeballs because you have paid for and bought stuff you can't afford because you never checked in with God and said, God, how would you want me to manage the resources you've entrusted to me? And so we've got a class called Financial Peace for University. It's going on right now in classroom number two. Some of y'all, it'd be really good for you to get in that class starting next Sunday. Discover how does God want me to manage the resource he's entrusted to me? Because until you see yourself as God sees you, your finances will never be right. Isn't this good? Aren't you glad you came this morning? All right, here we go. You ready? Until you see yourself as God sees you, your health will never be right. See, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 says, By his stripes you have been healed. My true identity in Christ, I am the healed of the Lord. I am the healed of the Lord. Now I may face sickness, I may face disease, I may face all of that kind of stuff, but that does not change who I am. I am the healed of the Lord. And sometimes we just want to accept whatever comes our way. Rather than standing up and fighting against it because that is not my true identity. That is not who God said I was. So until what God said I was becomes my reality, I'm standing in faith, believing and declaring that I am the healed of the Lord. We put more faith and trust in doctors than we do in God. We start facing some kind of symptoms. What's the first thing we do? Well, you best I go to go see the doctor. Why don't you go see the great physician? Why don't you spend some time in the presence of God? Why don't you start asking him and declaring to to him and over your life that you are the heel of the Lord? I am who he says I am. I have nothing against doctors, nothing whatsoever. And if you need to go to the doctor, you need to go to the doctor. But I'm just saying the doctor should not be the first place a child of God goes to receive their healing. While we're on this topic, I'm, not, I'm talking a lot more than, than just physical healing. I'm talking about emotional, emotional and, and, and mental healing. Because we live in a society today that is, that is wrought with discouragement, despair, uh, anxiety, fear, worry, Jesus died not just to heal you physically, but to heal you mentally and emotionally. We're so quick to go to the doctor to medicate our issue rather than prescribing the word of God to get victory. 
I'm not saying you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you may not necessarily have to go there, but just like Michael said in his, God delivered him during our 21 days of prayer and fasting from medication that helped him get to sleep. So he used the medication, but in the process, he was standing on the word of God declaring, I'm going to be healed in Jesus' name, and God delivered him. God wants to bring healing to your life, but until you see yourself as God sees you, nothing in your health will be right. Woohoo! Until you see yourself as God sees you, nothing in your perspective of your role in the church will be right. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27, it says, You are a part of the body of Christ. You are a member of the body of Christ. My true identity, I am a member of the body of Christ. And he uses the body as a metaphor, right? That as a body is a body and it has many members that make up the body. So we being many members make up a body. And just as there are many bodies here today with lots of different members, right? There are lots of different churches that make up a body with a lot of different parts. And you need to discover what body you're a part of. Because it doesn't make any sense for my hand to say to my, my, my body, well, I don't want to be a part of you this week. I think I'll be a part of that body this week. That's kind of weird. You cut off your hand. Say, Here, Isaiah, you, you, I want to be a part of your body this week. Kind of, kind of weird. Next week, I want to be a part of someone else's body. No, there's a body that you're supposed to be a part of. And that part of the body has a function. And unless that part of the body is functioning, the body can't function at its maximum capacity. So you are never just intended to come to church. Turn to the person next to you and say, I think he's talking to you right now. See, again, some of your heads just, they just don't want to, they just want to spin. You've got a part to play in the church. You might be a hand, you might be a foot, you might be a kidney. But unless your part is functioning, the body can't function at its maximum potential. You don't just come to church. You are the church. And you have a part to play. But until you see yourself as God sees you, nothing about your role in the church will ever be right. One more. Until you see yourself as God sees you, you will never fully understand your mission in the world. Until you see yourself like God sees you, you will never understand your mission in the world. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us, 
And we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We're all reconcilers of a fallen world to a loving Heavenly Father. All of us are. This isn't just the pastor's role. This is everyone's role. We're all ambassadors. We're all people on a mission to help lost people find their way to Christ. Jesus went farther than that. Jesus said this, follow me and I will make you to be fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you to be fishers of men. Do I have any followers of Jesus in the house today? Okay, these two right down here in the front, they're not followers of Jesus because they didn't raise their hands. Oh, they were too busy taking notes, right? Okay, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So if you are not fishing for men, are you really following Jesus? Because Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. I like to fish. I do. I love fishing. But you know what I love even more than fishing? Catching. I do. I love to catch. And fishing's great, but catching's so much better. Right? But you know what you need in order to catch fish? You need fish and you need bait. Right? I mean, it does no good to throw your bait out there in a pond where there's no fish. So what good is it for us to do an outreach Sunday, next Sunday morning, if there's no one here who needs to hear the gospel to receive Jesus? So we got to get some fish in the house. And it does no good to have a pond full of fish and just throw a hook out there with no bait. God's called us to fish for men. But until I see myself as God sees me, I will never understand my mission in the world. Your identity changes everything. Everything. As the worship team is coming, your true identity is necessary for you to fulfill the God-designed life he has for you. Let me say that again. Don't miss this. Your true identity is necessary for you to fulfill the God-designed life he has for you. If you haven't yet, begin today to understand, get a revelation, declare, come on, let's prophesy. And let's walk in our true identity in Christ through obedience. Did you get anything out of that today? Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope this message has strengthened and encouraged you. 
Join us again next week for another great podcast with Victory Church where we're helping people win.